So I have a few cats, and they are a lot of fun. Where are my cat people? Let me see those hands. Ten. It's a majority. It's a majority. <laughs> but they're a lot of fun. I've got one cat named Indiana Ooch who just loves to cuddle. She follows my wife around, lays right next to her, curled up into a ball every single night. Then there's Leia who does the same for my daughter. Uh, my, cow, my cats have the ability to meow me out, which is like if I wake up at 7.03, they're like meow, 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 and they keep going until they're trying to tell me, you were supposed to be up at 7, we eat at 7.01. One of my cats, when I give it a bath, it has the ability to speak human language. It goes, help, help. It's very weird. <laughs> they can leap tall buildings in a single bound. They could probably jump over this pulpit. I've seen it probably once in a dream. And then around 2 a.m., they are gifted with cosmic power that could rival the silver circle. They can run at incredible rates, just all the way around the house. It's awesome. My cats are the best. The litter box is the worst. It's where my cats do their business all the time. As Soon as I clean it, another one comes in and drops one off. Sometimes I'm on it and I clean it right away. Other times, just once a day, Every other day, one time it was three days. To make matters worse, you know that the litter only lasts so long before no matter how many times you clean it, that litter just begins to stink. And here's the thing, even if I clean it right away or not at all, those cats will just keep using it. It will pile up and keep going, it's gross and I hate it. And life can get like a dirty litter box real quick. Regardless if it's what we do or what happens to us, it still stinks. And whether we like it or not, you can call it chance or fate. The truth, the truth is that the stink is the result of sin and brokenness and apathy towards God and His Word. And we can have a life where we don't have to be honest, where we can lie and try to make it through. We can just check out and let all the bad stuff build up and pretend like it's not there. Can let that stink of indifference permeate. Or we can change by the grace of God. We can hear the words of the Lord and by His Spirit respond. And that's the goal of the Red Letter Challenge that we're doing as a church. We're taking the words of Jesus and responding to His words appropriately as we connect, grow, share, as we live. But before we start doing anything, before we start serving others, before we start forgiving, before we start being generous, before we start going out and sharing our faith, we got to follow Maria von Trapp, who tells us when we read, we begin with... Listen, the majority of us are cat people, so I can assume that the majority of us, if not all, have seen Sound of Music. When we read, we begin with? When we sing, we begin with? And when it comes to faith, we begin with? Our relationship with Him. There's no little ditty for that. It's just uh, it's a relationship with Him. Rather, it's His relationship with us. For it is He who came to save us. The Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It was Jesus who saves us. It was Jesus by his death and resurrection who has given us the forgiveness of sins. It is Jesus himself who abounds in grace and mercy. And it is Jesus who sends us. And this week we're looking at being. Being of the Lord, being with the Lord, being in relationship 
with Jesus. So let's go to our red letters of Matthew this week and let's look at our text today. Now at the start of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus has first responded to John the Baptist's disciples who have come to see, are you the Christ? And he tells them, go back and take, uh, go back and tell John what you have seen, what has happened here. That'll give you the answer of whether or not I am the Christ. And as those disciples were leaving, he then turns around and addressed the crowd. And he asked them a question that I think still fits today. He asked them, what did you come out to see? What did you come out to see? Another way of looking at this might be, what do we come to the words of the Lord to see? I think this question is personal and corporate, and it must be answered. Hopefully this question causes us to pause, to examine how we approach the Word of God, and hopefully it causes us to pray. Because Jesus follows up this question with a warning to unrepentant towns, to those who hear His words and do not respond. So the question of what do you come to the Word of the Lord to see must be answered by each of us. And after this question, after this warning, we see this beautiful understanding of being, of how this relationship with Jesus and us, us and Jesus works. So let's pick up at verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. First thing we notice in this relationship and this revelation is that God doesn't have favorites. You don't have to be super smart. You don't have to be super wealthy. You don't have to have the right family. Now, he's not saying it's bad to be smart or wise or learned, but it is pretty clear that arrogance and a fear of differences, that pride and prejudices do not please the Father. For the Father has sent the Son for all. He is not putting up barriers, making levels of knowledge that we must attain before we know Him or acquiring certain specifics. All are welcome. And that's the beauty of saying He has revealed this to children. Because we understand what that metaphor means. Child, like a, like a toddler. How that age group was looked down on and thought of very little of at the time. How a toddler is not capable of providing for themselves. How a toddler can't comprehend these mysterious or important things. The Lord reveals himself to all. He calls all of us to more, and before we can do anything, he makes sure that we can be with him. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. We are to look to the Son only. We must. For it is there that we see God truly. And it's in the Son that we remember that arrogance and fear and pride keep us from learning the simplest lesson of all. It's not about us. It's about Him. He reveals Himself to us. He loves us and does not hate us. He comes to us. And we respond by coming to Him. 
And that's an interesting way to come at the Word of God and to respond to it, is it not? Not to think I already know this, or I got this, or I learned this before, or I can do this on my own, or I'm a little bit better than this person, but to come as a child comes to their parent, eager to be fed, eager to learn, eager to mirror, eager to just be in the presence. There is no doubt that we must know the Son. There's no getting around Him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If we abide in Him, then we can bear fruit. He has showed us what true love was by laying down His life for us, even when we were still sinners. And only He has assured us that nothing can separate us from God because of His love for us. How do we know the Son? Through the means of grace and the other disciplines that He has laid out for us. We know the Son and are in relationship with the Son through simple means that He gives us. Through water. Through bread and wine. Through words. Or they're spoken. Read or prayed. Through worship. Speaking the words that He Himself gave us. Is that not the beauty of the read and response in the liturgy? We are saying the very words of God that He gave us to say. And then we turn around and sing praises to the one who is victorious. We know him through abstaining and fasting from things that have a tendency to take up our time, take up our focus and try to usurp the priority of God. So we voluntarily give up these things and learn that our true peace, our true strength, our true self, our true image is in Jesus Christ alone, not in the things of this world. And when we receive and when we practice these things, we come to Him and are in relationship with Him and we see that this beautiful promise is true. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I, Jesus, will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You weary from burning from feeling like you just burn through the day. Wake up, go to work, come home, go to sleep. Wake up, go to work, come home, go to sleep. Come to Jesus and find value in each day and see each day as a gift with endless possibilities. And through prayer and meditation on His Word, be filled as you rest in Him. Are you weary from being old or weary from thinking you're too young? Don't find strength in your age. Find strength in Jesus. And believe that even the slightest act of love in Christ can change another's life. If you're worried from all the things you got to do, find purpose and align those things and all that stuff we got to do in Jesus. And then look and see Him in the things that you are doing. Open your eyes and wonder and see his presence with you. And if you are burdened by your sin, come to him and rest. For your sins are forgiven and your debt is paid. Pray for strength to resist the devil. And look for help in your community and in those sitting next to you. And if you're burdened from trying to earn the Father's love, know that you don't have to. He made you. Before he formed the world, he knew you chose you. That's not wishful thinking or crossing our fingers and hope that He knows us. 
That's the promise and the truth. You belong to Him. And we rest in that restorative hope and that peace that He alone can give. So when we take up His yoke, when we take the cross, it's not going to be easy in the sense that there won't be struggles or loss or pain or a lack of stink sometimes. It doesn't mean that we don't have to work hard. It's easy because of the rest for our soul. It's easy because we have true purpose in who we are and what we do. It's easy because Jesus is the one who faced death, persecution, betrayal, all of that. And through all of what you will face, he will stand by your side. It's easy because you can bring your worry, your grief, your pain, whatever causes you shame, and you can lay it right down at the feet of Jesus. We get to lay down the real heavy things and instead pick up a yoke of peace and love and be transformed by His yoke, His ways, His word, transforming our heart. So we go into this red-letter challenge, not like it's some heavy burden, some yoke that we have to accomplish, and then God will love us, bless us, hear us. We go because we believe what He says. We come to His word to be changed, to be changed by His word, His sacrament, through prayer, through service laying down the worries and the burdens and picking up our cross and together following Him in love. Now let us stand together and confess this faith that we hold dear using the words of the Apostles' Creed on the screen in front of us.